Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the Course on Pulse. It is Monday, April 4th, 2016. This is episode number 25. We are exactly 254 days away from Rogue One opening up. And with me as always is James and David. Hi everyone, how's it going? David here. I hope you're all enjoying the new Blu-ray that just came out. I can't wait to sit down and watch every instant of it. James here. Yeah, it comes out tomorrow. Hopefully this episode will be out on the 5th. Uh, this is not an actual play podcast, as you can tell. It's not properly labeled as such. That should be returning next week. So we're just going to go over some news stories that are out there today. A couple of, uh, a little somber note to begin with. Lead uh, voice actor of uh, James, or I'm sorry, I said James. Uh, Admiral Akbar from episode 6 and episode 7, Eric Bowersfield, uh, passed away at the age of 93 today. Yeah, you know, even though he had he had, you know, what could be called a small part in episode 6, Admiral Akbar really was, you know, in the expanded universe one of the real major cornerstones for for the rebellion. And it was a character that that they decide to expand upon in the Clone Wars. There's not that many characters that you see in the in the movies or in the original trilogy that get expanded in the Clone Wars the way that uh, Tarkin, Admiral Akbar, and uh, well, that's really it. Those are really the two that really get expanded on. They do a little bit with Chewie, but the Chewie episodes were for me a little bit hit and miss. On top of that, he became an internet sensation with his me the meme of him saying his iconic phrase, "It's a trap." He also did the voice of uh, Bib Fortuna, which was Jabba's advisor in Return of the Jedi, which I did not know. So uh, not only is he uh, doing the voice of legendary uh, bit characters like Akbar, but he also did uh, Bib there as well. Yeah, and you know, just on that note, I think one of the other interesting things, like something I learned from from this, was that uh, he he actually played Admiral Akbar in Episode Seven. I had no idea that that they used the same individual. I mean, mostly because you see Admiral Akbar, it's a, it's it's this huge prosthetic suit. But I, I think it's really neat that they went back to the same person that that played Akbar originally. Well, yeah, I think they got the same guy for the suit and then the same guy for the voice for uh, The Force Awakens. Because, like, Darth Vader, it was a couple people. Makes sense. Mm, yeah. Another story here, this one was entertaining, from uh, FoxSports.com. Uh, UFC fighter by the name of uh, Ben Rothwell came up with his own uh, interesting Star Wars character idea. Yeah, that one was was pretty crazy. Uh, especially because, you know, looking at it, there are, there is some expanded universe, uh, suggestion where his character, not exactly outside the realm of possibility. Particularly not in the old Legends universe, so his character would fit right in. Yeah, he, uh, his character's name is Zadius, is that how you pronounce that? X-A-D-U-S, and, uh... I was gonna go Zadis, but Zadis sounds sounds fine too. Yeah, he wanted basically to be an even more bad guy from the Sith. Uh, quoting from the article, he says, uh, "I'm pretty," he, and he he wants to be playing the villain. He says, "I'm a pretty badass villain." He's so badass, even expletive on the Sith. So I don't know what that expletive. I've been trying to figure out what swear went in there. He even, I believe it starts with an S. 
shits. And C. Yeah, he basically says that his guy would have the ability to travel space-time uh, through manipulating the dark side of the Force and appear in a room and turn lightsabers on, cutting people in half. And then he would uh, use those lightsabers like some sort of uh, lightsaber tornado to shred apart every other uh, Jedi or Force wielder in the room, Sith included. Well, I think, you know... Uh, and this was one of the issues I had with the article. I couldn't tell if he was actually talking about the dark side of the Force or if he was talking about the ability to manipulate uh, dark matter. Because uh, with, with how he started going, when he was talking about how you get from point A to point B and how the universe works, like he wasn't really talking about manipulating regular things with the dark side of the force no it sounded to me like he was talking about mixing the force with like quantum level physics it sounded like one too many hits to the head but hey you know that that for me raises a question of you know hey does the for the force we know interacts with matter but can the force also interact with dark matter or antimatter who's to say uh yeah, he also says his lightsaber would be able to reach, stretch across uh, from one end of the room to the other, and it would be all black. We have examples of both of those in... I don't know about if the Great Saber is still a thing in the new in the new canon, but the Dark Saber totally is. I mean, this was just, this was on FoxSports.com uh, under their in their UFC, and... Uh, yeah, Ben Ben wants to be in the new Star Wars movie, and he wants to be the quintessential badass. He says probably going to have to be a rated R film. He's not a big fan of the PG-13 stuff. He wants more mature uh, Star Wars, and from what he's describing, that doesn't sound like you could fit in a PG-13 movie too well. But I really just like the concept of this uh, UFC fighter in the heavyweight division. What does it say he is? He's ranked number four in the whole division in the heavyweight. Dear yeah. God. Yeah, yeah. and... It's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's always nice and interesting to see, you know, where Star Wars fans pop up because they're really all over the place. This is true. We are Legion and we are everywhere. Oh, he's fighting uh, Junior Dos Santos at a UFC fight night in Croatia. Maybe he can go check out uh, where they filmed episode eight. He probably will if he's this big of a nerd. Their thoughts and prayers go out to him because he's Junior Dos Santos is no... Uh, but on to our next article here is from the HuffPost, or HuffPost Entertainment. Uh, they tried to make Daisy Ridley look like Luke in, or new evidence, this is all speculation and a theory, to make uh, her character uh, in a way look like Luke uh, from episode four. I mean, is anyone shocked by this? I don't think so. I think it was blatantly obvious the first time you saw her like she's she's in an outfit that's very very similar to luke and it, it's it's one of those things where if that wasn't planned but if it was a coincidence and they saw it they then made the decision that it wasn't a coincidence anymore exactly it was like oh wow look at that let's keep it they don't really have to do that anyway. I mean, just look at the... Both from a desert planet, they're both humanoids. They'd be wearing similar clothes from that aspect. There, there's something that you do to survive. Clothing can be a survival thing. She's not going to be walking around in a, uh, you know, plastic bodysuit or anything like that on uh, Jakku. Otherwise, she'd fucking die. Hell, I'm, I'm sure if Finn had the choice, he'd be wearing the same thing too. Specifically Ray's, but that's another story. 
there was a little survey on there it just said uh, do you think ray is the daughter of luke i said no and uh 33 of people agree with me the other 66 percent say that yes uh, she is for that article so so how does, how does it feel being wrong oh man huffington post readers i don't know about that so another little fun news article that popped up was that at a disney location they got Mark Hamill's name wrong on a on his security pass. And this article was from, let's see, uh, 96.5 in Orlando, Florida. And it was a tweet that Mark Hamill put out, uh, you know, on April, on April 3rd about how he got a security pass from the Disney London office visit. And they put his name as Mark Hamilton. <laughs> Despite being Luke Skywalker, despite voicing the Joker, they they got his name wrong at the company that he's currently working for. No, now I get he's not like a, as household. He's pretty household name, but he's not as household of a name as say you know The Rock or Harrison Ford or any other number of people. But all right, I'll say this much: I think he's as much a household name as The Rock. Um, Harrison Ford, no, because Harrison Ford's done a lot more films and the like, but, I mean, The Rock, not everyone was a pro wrestling fan. Now, uh, fair enough, but I will say that he's, should be household name enough at a Disney studio that is like, hey, Mark Hamill, we bought Star Wars. That approved him, mind you, approved him to enter the building. Yeah. I guess it's... London Disney security is uh, suboptimal. Well, I guess that, you know, as uh, sure there are Star Wars fans out there in the UFC and where else there are people working with inside the industry that aren't that big of fans and don't really care and make spelling mistakes. Or Spellcheck autocorrected it. That too, yeah. Yeah, just a kind of a funny little thing that he tweeted out that I got a kick out of. Uh, let's see here. Next article, we're talking about The Force Awakens and Maz Kanata. What is this garbage? Okay, so I'll pick this up. Um, so Max Nicholson over at IGN US uh, sat down with Neil Scan- uh, Scanlon, who was the head of the creature shop of The Force Awakens. And, you know, they had a discussion for the full interview. Head over to IGN.com. But there were just a couple of major highlights, you know. One was that, you know, Maz Kanata's castle was really where the creatures got their time to shine because that's when everyone got to sort of see all the aliens because, you know, to be honest, outside of Maz Kanata's castle, you really don't see aliens in The Force Awakens. Like, you do a little bit on Jakku, but you really get to see them even just as background pieces at Maz Kanata's castle. And one of the things that that the interview discovered was that Maz Kanata was not originally going to be a CG character that wound up getting played by a Lupita Nyong'o. Instead, it was originally going to just be a puppet, but they decided to change that and move towards a, a CG character as J.J. Abrams evolved Maz Kanata's role more and more in his mind. And eventually it became uh, what you saw on the screen. It was okay that Maz Kanata wound up being not a puppet and instead a uh, full CGI character because it wasn't like some characters where you're like, oh my god, that looks so fake. She, if it fit with her scenes and her role, it just it it didn't look overly fake, at least to me. 
I heard a lot of people, you know, gripe about uh, Miles Kanata and the C being CGI. It didn't bother me as much. Uh, more so, the context of the scene bothered me. The you know actual story, the dialogue, those aspects did than uh, whether or not characters were CGI or not. I thought, I mean, it looked fine. You could tell it's CGI, but you know, I know those aliens aren't real that are in the background. I mean, that's kind of a you can kind of go back and defend the prequels with that logic but uh you know if the story's good you kind of just you know suspend that disbelief and just you're kind of into it but uh yeah well, well hang on i guess you know would would you guys want Maskanato to have been a puppet i don't really care <laughs> okay yeah, I'm I'm on the same boat. I could care in the least. As long as it's done good, I don't care. Yeah, see for me that's that's a thing. Like, you know, I I I'm actually kinda glad that they went with the CGI route because you even though puppets are really nice to have and it's nice to have those practical effects, I feel like if you're going to go for an actual performance from an actor, that a lot of the time it need especially for a character that has drastically different dimensions i feel like it needs to be cgi'd and 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 mas Kanada did it really well i guess it really depends on circumstances because while you're saying that i'm just thinking back to yoda from empire and it's you know that works so well but uh, I, I guess it really just depends on the set of circumstances of the film you're in you know i think it's just that it sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's more of the rest of the film around that part it might not work sometimes it will yeah but yeah, no, I, I think, you know, Maz was done really well with CGI overall. Yeah, I mean, it didn't it didn't look like a community college had done it or anything. Like, it was really nice, professionally done, well voice acted. Uh, like I said, the context of the scene brought that down as opposed to how it looked and how it sounded. So another uh, piece that, that they talked about was what were the most challenging and complex alien builds? And so uh, one of them were were actually uh some of the beasts of burden that you see on Jakku. I I knew that they were practical. I did not understand just how practical they were. So uh when Tito and his Lugabees capture BB8, there are actually two guys apparently in that Lugabees and they are maneuvering that thing uh manually. The same thing with the Hapabor, which is the thing that's drinking out of the uh Oh, what's it called? Out of the well with Finn when Finn stumbles in from the desert? There were five people manipulating that thing, apparently. And they said that, you know, those were really challenging because they didn't exactly know what they were going to to how to make them before they actually made them. Because they were going to be brand new. <laughs> um, and then... You know, I think it's something that, that we've touched on the show earlier, but BB-8 was a really complex build overall because of what J.J. Abrams and the, and the story required of BB-8. You know, just in the way that, in the way that BB-8 had to move, the surfaces it had to tra traverse over, and, you know, overall it was just something that was really, really different, I guess. Um, and, you know... Building a sphere, he mentioned that there were a lot of complex pieces inside of it that, you know, the the viewers will simply never see. But yeah, I thought it was a, a nice, neat little article just giving some insight into the creature menagerie for, for The Force Awakens. Because, to be honest, that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love Star Wars. All these weird aliens, it's, they just visually, it's so, so... I guess gratifying to see all these different styles and designs 
of of aliens that aren't just you know green humans or blue humanoids but that actually have some some thought and some you know honestly different biology and different i guess anatomy than than human beings that helps really make star wars feel like an like a space opera yeah i uh, yield the remainder of my time on that one i don't want to go on a big anti-tfa rant so i'm just gonna shut up oh well i'm not talking about you know the force awakens i'm talking about star wars in general well, yeah, but I mean, the effects for the creatures and all that, for that movie, it's just like, yeah, whatever. They spend more time in a fucking script. I have different people working on different things. It's also not like they had a very large menagerie this time around. Honestly, they probably gone, could have gone to some fucking crazy-ass uh, animatronic person, but hey, write a script, it probably would have been better, but anyway. Let the hate flow through you. It is strong. There is. It's too late for me. But uh, what's this next one? Oh, it's God. never too late. Yeah. Next up is uh, David's going to wind up talking to you guys about Star Wars Rebels a bit. Why? Uh, because David's watching Star Wars uh, Rebels. James and Tom aren't. James and Tom then complain there's nothing to talk about. Where I'm just like, oh man, all this cool stuff is happening on this show I'm watching. Cool stuff. Look at Darth Maul's back. <laughs> Hey, Fuck that. I love Darth Maul as Fuck a villain. It. I did too. And he got cut in half in episode one, which was a shit film, and he was dead. They brought him back for fan jerk-off reasons. I don't care. Oh, did you not like his reappearance in The Clone Wars? I did not at all. Oh, that's a shame. It was terrible. This doesn't happen often. I not. I have to agree with Tom. He got cut in half. Hasn't been the end for a number of people. Yeah, it's it's just terrible. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's a good show. I mean, it's well voice acted and all that, but it's rated Y seven. It's really you know the, the kid aspects of the show. It is cool seeing the expanded universe. Dave Filoni is doing a good job, but there's just that I can't get into it because it's rooted in a real kiddish guy. You know, kiddish type setting you know how the characters talk to each other is really immature and basic and something that a young kid can grasp and uh not so much a uh, you know 30 year old male i don't know i think i think that you're underselling what you can do in those kinds of films or in in this kind of medium overall you know like yeah it, it is it is geared towards a younger audience that doesn't mean that there's not little snippets that you can't pull out and it also doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the story that they're telling yeah it's a bit more basic but if you look at it it's it's really a a very different take on a different coming of age that you know we we you know don't have a new version of right now I make more money than kids. I can spend more money on things I like than kids. So how about you make something I like? A lot of the Star Wars fans up there are uh, fully employed and uh, got some cash on them and uh, are willing to pay for stuff. So come up with a series and some sort of subscription service and I'll pay for it. But uh, this kid stuff, I'm not going to force myself to watch something that I like 50% of the time. I agree wholeheartedly. So so wait, why did you go see The Force Awakens then? Or are you going to see the next one? Because, I mean, from the sounds of it, you like less than 50% of the Star Wars films. Those are rated PG-13. <laughs> this kid's show is rated TVY7. That means it's for kids around the age of 7 years old. 
uh, it's different. I mean, the Clone Wars is rated what TV fourteen. That's for mm-hmm. you know anything anyone over fourteen is good to go. Same thing with PG thirteen parental guys, but it's, you know the whole rating industry is bullshit anyway. But yeah, it's just it's a kids show. It's it's really geared. I I've wholeheartedly recommended Clone Wars. It's a good show. It deals with war. It deals with it in mature settings. You know, there's some gruesome stuff on there. Uh, this Rebel show is you know really simple stories. It's just a kids show. Like I can't. I mean, apart from watching episodes and actually pointing out examples where these characters are having these you know out of they're really out of place conversations for things that are going on and uh you know it's just not for me it's for a different audience it's targeted for kids that's a shame because i i feel like you're really missing out on some some uh, honestly fine star wars storytelling like yeah it's geared towards a younger audience but you know i can appreciate that i know you know going in that it's not going to be this you know essentially a war story which is what the clone wars was you know the clone wars was about a war rebels is it, it's it is about a rebellion it's about a, a civil war it's, it's more than more than that it's really the story of ezra it feels like which is probably the case and how now he's struggling with the dark side of the force and you know killing people which he does a not insignificant amount of you know, it's. It, I, I will say, you know, I think the Clone Wars was a better show. I think that the, you know, the Clone Wars was easier for me to digest as, an, as you know, not someone that's being targeted at with the Y Seven stories. But just because it's not targeted to me doesn't mean that I'm not going to read it. I mean, like I've read Lost Stars. Lost Stars wasn't aimed at me at all. I really enjoyed Lost Stars. I think it's one of the better um, new new canon novels that's come out. You know, honestly, um. Honestly, it's still probably the best new canon novel that's come out. Like, Battlefront was fine and, and was actually really good, but Lost Stars was a fantastic book, and it was it was geared towards young adults. And it's fine. It like it it really just depends what you need. It's kinda like if I labeled the The Force Awakens a PG movie, like I think that's one of the few things I could have done that, that would make you hate that film more. Yeah, no, I mean this is Star Wars Rebels is just I mean, yeah, I just, I can't get into it. Like, I watched the ending, like, the four-minute fight between Ahsoka and Vader, and I saw the fight, I saw what happened, I had no want or desire to go back and watch any more of the show. You know, I appreciated Ahsoka as a character from the Clone Wars. I didn't really give a shit or want to watch her grow into whoever, you know, of course she's not going to be evil, she grew up to be someone who's opposed to evil, and is fighting her old master, and, you know, that was cool. But uh, I, at that point, after watching, I was like, oh, I gotta go check that series out. I just personally had no desire to watch the show. Uh, I'd rather see something that's designed and comes from a place for an older audience, like some of the films and like some of the other TV shows they've done. Like, uh, so you're basically still holding out on until they make that Star Wars Underworld uh, show. You're probably not going to watch anything that they, they put out. I'm not going to put out anything that they put out for young children, not just kids, not teenagers, but young kids. I'm just, it's, it's for kids. Like it's talking on a different level. Yeah. There are some plot things that are the same. Yeah. The good guys are a certain way. The bad guys are another way, but a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the plot interactions, a lot of the storylines are dumbed down and censored 
for a younger audience. If you were to make the same show, Star Wars Rebels, for adults or teenagers, it would be a grittier, darker, maybe even a better show. Maybe certain things would happen that they would be allowed to explore into. And that's the show I'd prefer to see as opposed to this, you know, kids show that at times gets a little edgy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I just, you know, it's... Just because it's Star Wars doesn't mean I'm going to go out and rush and buy it and watch all of it to get all the little tidbits. You know, I love Star Wars, but uh, I'm also a consumer, and I'm going to pick and choose what I want to see. And, the, you know, I, I checked it out. I watched, uh, I think, the first season, and it was okay, but it was looking not for me. I'd recommend it to people who have young kids. Or David. Or people that, you know, just, you know, if you want if you want a Star Wars story, if you're, if you're interested in looking in something Star Wars... I'd, I'd really recommend Rebels. They they do storytelling good. You know, yeah, Tom's right. You know, some of the storylines are a little bit simple. Most most of the time, they don't have an overall plot the same way that the Clone Wars typically had, where you had like four to five episode arcs. Uh, in Rebels, it's mostly one and dones. But I think the other thing that's going to be something that's that's interesting for us is when we really you know look at star wars rebels it is still another exploration of what star wars is and really the, honestly one of the reasons i watch it is because i'm on this podcast so every week i've got something new to talk about and i really i you know i've got to say i really enjoy dave filoni's storytelling uh just overall the way that he crafts a scene the way that he works with his animators to bring impact and to to display different things and the topics he decides to to tackle i've never been bored by the by the show outside of random droid episodes god i hate droid episodes yeah dave filoni is talented they should give him a shot at a feature film you know he's really good I'm not ragging on Dave Filoni. He's just making a product that's not for me. But yeah, for sure. He he. The only thing I don't like that he's done is Darth Maul, <laughs> obviously. But that's <laughs> about it. You know, every other story arc he's written in the Clone Wars and the stuff I watched in Rebels. You know, Rebels has felt like he had one hand tied behind its back. Uh, and I think that, yeah, give him, you know, he's proven that he can build stuff up. You know, I felt something watching Ahsoka fight now with Darth Vader. That was pretty cool. And, uh... Yeah, I say give him a shot at a big picture uh, in the near future. Well, either that or, you know, I guess moving on from that, one really big question uh, for you is, so you're hoping then that Rebels is done after next season, right? Uh, for those of you that don't know, Star Wars Rebels only has uh, three seasons to it um, underneath the original contract with Disney XD. Now, they might extend that, but... As far as I'm aware, there's still definite talk about them ending Star Wars Rebels and moving on to a different show. I I never said I wanted it to end. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, in if Dave I don't Filoni like it, that doesn't to, mean I don't. Well, no, no, but in terms of if Dave Filoni were to move on to another project, Star Wars Rebels would have to end. So you'd probably prefer Star Wars Rebels to end so that he could move on to another more mature project, like essentially a new Clone Wars 
in so some it's way. It's insinuating a lot. I mean, he could always work on both shows as like an executive producer or producer. But uh, you know, uh, when he's d- whenever he's done with Rebels, if he wants to move on to something, fine. But I mean, I was complimenting him. He's a good storyteller. Uh, he knows the universe and uh, whatever facet they want to put him in, I'm I'm cool with. But uh, no shit, Star Wars is good for the little kids to get into it. So uh, you know, have it go for twelve years. I don't give a shit. Well, I, I guess then you know. Taking out aside of whether or not Rebels ends or not, what is the, the if and this is assuming that under on the Star Wars Underworld show never gets off the ground. What do you want to see? And James, you can probably chime in too at some point. Otherwise, James, Tom, Tom and I are just gonna yeah. like <laughs> go blow for blow for the next well, ten minutes. You keep you keep putting words in my mouth. I'm gonna punch you in the fucking head like a gentleman. I don't give a shit. I admit I've been enjoying the sidelines here, listening to you guys go at it. Um, it's not often I agree with Tom on a lot of things, and uh, this is one of them. Rebels is not for me. Anything childish is not for me. And I get that there's not all childish things. Whoa, whoa, whoa! GI Joe is the real American hero, Dave. Don't don't be playing with GI Joe. Anyway, no, it's absolute. GI Joe is absolutely childish. I, that that's just a weird thing that's from my childhood that I, I brought with me. The most important thing that I want to see is I want to see either Star Wars Underworld, like a live-action type thing, or I'd be okay with an adult-oriented cartoon. Those exist. Um, a Star Wars adult-oriented cartoon could be interesting. You you think adult? I'm thinking, you know, if they target the same, like, Clone Wars audience, which was, like, as uh, I think Tom was saying, like, uh, TV-14, you know, I think that that would work pretty well, too. Well, yeah, that that would be fine. Um, I'll be honest. I could care in the least about cartoons. I want good movies. I want good books. I don't need a cartoon. I need a book that I can just really immerse myself in the world. Cartoons don't do it for me. I'll agree with that. You know, one one of the reasons is is that we are still waiting on bated breath for uh, what was it? Aftermath, Life Debt, and uh, Bloodline still. Books are, uh, yeah, books. I'd rather a TV show than a book. Uh, I've read enough Star Wars books in uh, the past, Jesus, fucking 20 years to, I've, I've read a lot. So I want to see new material out of this uh, franchise, and uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a good TV show that's uh, more geared towards me. And yeah, I think like a TV 14, somewhere around like the old Clone Wars would work better, or at least it would attract my interest and maybe get some of the older kids into it more. So where would you want that that show to be placed you know pie in the sky you know did you would you uh, i guess you know it's a question of both medium and in terms of what we've received so far like would you want that new show to be set during the galactic civil war before the events of episode one or perhaps uh after episode six but before episode seven Pardon me, after reading the Fox Sports article, I would see a Ben Rothwell, uh, Zadius, uh, Murders Everyone show. Uh, <laughs> that could be said at any time. But uh, other than that, no, I mean, they got this 30-year gap between episode 6 and 7, and we got some books filling in that time. But yeah, an Underworld show there, just a show there would be good. Uh, or uh, Knights of the Old Republic, you know, something pre-episode 1. So pre-episode 1, post-episode 6, somewhere in there. Because between 1 and 6, we kind of got it pretty much all. It's either been written and destroyed or, you know, we got that pretty much mapped out, I think. 
Yeah, and I think for me, well, like I'm definitely actually with you, Tom, on the time frame that I'd prefer to see, because one thing that I I really am hoping that they don't do with Star Wars is the conflicting canons that we used to have back with the old expanded universe. It feels to me like the time frames between episode one and episode six at this point are really fleshed out both in the Clone Wars TV show, in Star Wars Rebels, and in the, the comics that Marvel has been putting out with Disney. Now, I know comics definitely aren't a thing for everyone, but so much of what they have been producing is set during the Galactic Civil War, and part of me would like to, to kind of like either move away from that or if they do set it during the Galactic Civil War, absolutely ignoring Leia, Han, and Luke. No more Civil War. We have 30 years to explore. Explore it. Yeah, I'm hoping Rogue One is the last uh, hurrah for that time. Oh, no, wait. No, the Han Solo movie. Oh, wait. There was also going to be a Boba Fett movie, isn't there? So, uh, no. I don't know if we know that there's going to actually be a Boba Fett movie. I heard, I saw a couple things... Hinting it in it will be one uh, movie, which if they set if, if I mean yeah. they're gonna set that um post episode three though I feel like yeah, which is the Civil War yeah well I mean as as long as long as though I, I'd be okay with a one more Civil War if it's a Ewan McGregor Obi Wan because he was a fucking pimp yeah I would just like to see Ewan McGregor uh, being a good Star Wars movie for once yeah that would be nice wouldn't it and uh, damn so his. Dab his Scottish balls on uh, the metaphorical George Lucas's skull, if you will. But yeah, well, I, James, I'm actually a little bit surprised that you'd prefer a TV show out there. I mean, is is that just because you're you're desperate for that timeline to be fleshed out? I would I would have thought that you'd you'd rather they not really explore and delve into that in in an animated form until after they really delve into it in book form. James didn't say that at all. No, I did say I'd prefer books over anything, but if if they're going to do another TV show, either Clone Wars-esque or a live action, it needs to be set post our uh, Return of the Jedi because we can't just keep pumping out. Yeah, I get that there's a lot of stories still to be told, but we can't just keep pumping out stuff that doesn't flesh out a 30-year gap that now exists. And doing that is doing a disservice to the fans in my mind. I don't know that I'd go so far as to say a disservice to the fans, but I, I get the, the path that you're on. And I think that, that I, I'm actually surprised that you would say that, but I'm, you know, th what you have said is probably the the greatest argument in my mind that I've heard for, for placing any kind of new material in that time gap. Because even then, you know, I don't know how far Aftermath and Aftermath Life Debt really get us into the years after after Endor, but you know, Bloodlines is. I think they were saying, uh, you know, if you go back and listen to our episode, I have it right there. But it's going to be set like five to six years before the events of The Force Awakens, which means that there's still kind of like a twenty year gap in between those two. That's not being fleshed out at the moment. Internet rumors too. I mean, this is as real as the Infowars stuff, but uh, they have uh, rumored to have been wanting to maybe do a, a Kylo Ren origin movie in that period too, well, like a new standalone. That could be cool. I could get behind something like that, and it's still not telling enough of the story between what causes Kylo Ren to become Kylo Ren and 
Return of the Jedi, but yeah. it's still fleshing out that period that, that needs fleshing. I was thinking it's kind of like uh, the uh, now that now that we know that some gamers uh, like listening to us here, the uh, AEG Legend of the Five Ring game. They keep continuing on their fake world, this you know Rokukin, this ancient world. They keep moving it on. You know they're like the 13th century. I think when I found out about the game, they were somewhere you know 200 years before that, and time keeps going in their in their world. Whereas a game like Warhammer 40k. They are still at this one date in that game and have been forever since I found out about the game almost 20 years ago. It's still the same stupid shit. So as long as they keep moving Star Wars forward, I think that's a benefit. Yeah, we might have some road bumps in there like Aftermath, like, you know, I'd argue The Force Awakens. But uh, do you know what? There's going to be something new coming out and uh, maybe it'll redeem it or improve upon it or make it better in a way. Just doing a little bit of brainstorming with the time that we don't know about between episode six and The Force Awakens. You know, what what do you guys feel is the major conflict there? Because I think that's that for me is gonna wind up being a bit of a question in terms of whether what and how they can flesh out that period. Because, you know, is I guess the real question that we'll find out in Bloodlines is whether or not there is actually peace in the galaxy between Episode 6 and Episode 7. I mean, the galaxy's pretty big, and I mean, they hinted at it already, but a Cold War-esque thing. Obviously, Leia feels that is fighting a war, even though there's no war officially declared. So, I mean, they can flesh that out a good bit and i'm sure there'll always be bounty hunters and little it's a galaxy there's going to be things that pop up that the story that explains why the the new republic got rid of their fleet maybe a splinter group of the fleet decides hey fuck this we're going to be out of a job we're going to fight and they have to put down a mutiny essentially i mean there could be some good interesting stories in there the reason why i'm asking the question is because i'm trying to figure out what style of show you would wind up making because you have the clone wars which is you know a show about war you've got rebels which is a show about rebellion all of these like and 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 in most shows in general conflict is really the the crux and like a major overarching conflict is the major crux and focus of that show and I guess for me, and part of it's just because we don't know enough about the time frame right now, is what what would that major conflict be? Because, and that's, from my point of view, that's one thing that that time frame kind of struggles with a little bit. Because you've got an issue with the First Order, where the First Order isn't a big enough conflict to prompt the New Republic to do anything. Which means that it feels like there's there's not a high level of conflict in that time frame. Now, and again, this is kind of one of those things. And that means that that like meta conflict probably won't get fleshed out in a TV show uh, directly. But you make a TV show like Killjoys or you make a TV show like Firefly or something like that. And you set it there and... You know, the conflict switches from being this massive overarching conflict to a very personal conflict for a character who's trying to get by. And so I think you could probably set an underworld or like some kind of scum and villainy game there. 
I'm I think for me the thing I'm most worried about is if they decide to go with what you were saying with the Cold War route that that for me like trying to do a Star Wars spy thriller I just don't think that that would work very well. I don't think it would work very well if it was animated. If it was live action I think it could work really well, kind of like the Americans. You could have a lot of interesting things there, but I think that for that to work it would have to be live action. Yeah, I think the Cold War is a good uh, setting for some sort of show, whether it be crime or, you know, uh, it either, I don't know, to me it either have to be like criminals or uh, the political class dealing with the uh, state of the galaxy and all the bullshit that happens in and amongst that, kind of like more in the vein of like, you know, a West Wing type show. but uh, Or a House of Sabacc. Yeah, or something like that, you know, just something political and it'd have to be tied to it directly or it could be just about like a show about one planet and their struggles it could be you know they could make up a world and how this planet has always dealt with things and now this is where they are and how this people from all over this planet are dealing with uh the change in power and uh you know how they get integrated maybe into one of the films in some way shape or form like corellia someplace maybe we haven't seen but have heard of the Travels of Corsac. There you go. Yeah, or one of the companies. You know, you could maybe do something there. But yeah, I think a crime show. Order. Yeah. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. A crime procedural seems a little bit weird to me, but at the same time, you know, that that was probably one of the best parts for episode two, which was when Obi Wan was on a crime procedural show. Yeah, he wasn't cutting enough faces to people that weren't talking, though. That would have been better. I mean, hell, that's they, could, they could do a show following a group of uh, an X-Wing squadron that's patrolling for smugglers and renegades and pirates. Like, it's a galaxy. It's a big galaxy. There's always going to be conflict, even if there's not all-out war. Yeah, but it, it, for me, it's kind of like, you know, what would be the sustaining conflict? Because there needs, like, it, I mean, I guess you could go Monster of the Week, where it's just, what random thing are they going to do? deal with this week but for me like in order to really have a good story and character driven show i feel like it really needs that 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 sustained conflict even if that's not what they deal with you know on a regular basis on the show it needs to exist there otherwise it it i don't think it works that's why like if if you're gonna set anything in that time frame like i'm kind of with tom on this like I, i personally don't think a political show would work really well because that was one of the things that I feel like was the downfall of episode one, which was, or actually the prequels in general were just that they tried to get too political while doing too much other stuff at the same time. And I feel like a show, a star Wars show that tries to get into that, that same vein is going to run into those same traps and those same pitfalls. So I really think the only show that they could possibly do in that interim period is an underworld show which would actually be incredible the political stuff in that in those movies failed because it was george lucas writing and directing that shit with no input i think if he had brought in like aaron sorkin to help write that shit or you know a good writer who has a history of working on those types of shows or that type of genre then it would have been spectacular even if they do create a political Cold War show or something like that. Chances are I'm going to watch it because I'm a Star Wars fan. But yeah, I guess the, the real question is whether whether or not it's done well. And a lot of that, I feel like, is going to have to do with the management, with the directing. And also with whoever it's, it's aimed and geared towards. Would you be really upset 
if they wind up making another kid show after Rebels? Yes. Okay. What if they make another... We riot. What happens if they end Rebels, make another kid show, and then an older show as well? Would that make you less angry? Yeah, I I would like something for uh, my demographic here. And I think that if you have some sort of science fiction thing for an older demographic, it's going to sell. The business model is there. Look at Game of Thrones. Look at uh, these shows on uh, Netflix. You know, this isn't uh, some fringe thing, some crazy uh, way I'm talking about how to make a film here. This is uh, the modern day uh, norm. So, yeah, I think it could work. Hell, I mean, look, look, The Walking Dead exists. Yeah, there's there's a lot more examples in that. Yeah, Walking Dead. Daredevil, you know, another property owned by Disney. Yeah. The Avengers TV show, uh, I haven't watched it, but it's still on TV, so it must be doing... Uh, might not want to get into that with Tom. The <laughs> Avengers, oh god. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, well, it's just, that's the same thing how I feel towards, it's not for me. I don't like it, but it's a good show. Well acted, well, it's just, I don't like it. I'm not saying curse it, made burn, and hellfire. I mean, no, Jesus. You know. They had a, what's another, Lost. That's a science fiction show. I don't go bringing that up either, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot which topics I can talk about around you, Tom. I forget. Yeah, we can talk free, free and easy. I actually don't care about Lost uh, as much. But yeah, it's uh, you know, eh, well, something will come up. That's why it's like I'm glad. Yeah, I did not like the Force Awakens. I'm glad it made billions of dollars because they're gonna make a bunch of stuff and they're gonna make something that eventually is good. So hey, you know, or something that I will like more. Uh, so yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. In the meantime, Tom, have you read the Battlefront novel yet? No, I have not. I I am very busy. No. Yeah. Uh, the Battlefront novel, I think, if anything, is probably going to give you that more mature look that you're maybe looking for. Yeah, I read an excerpt of it, and it seemed uh, it seemed a little kiddish at times, but uh, I'll have to check it out. Well, it's certainly straightforward. Kiddish, I don't know about that. But, you know, there's not an overly deep or complex motivations for most of the characters in that thing. It's just shoot stuff, the book. Actually, yeah, that's that's probably a not terrible way to sum it. Yeah, and that's why I wasn't jumping out of my seat to go buy it, because it's like, oh, it's just stuff the book is pretty cool. You know, I'm not a 14-year-old male anymore, but, uh, you know, hey, that's our... I'll have to check it out. Before I start bashing it, it could be good here. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it's well-written. It's But, you know, it follows a very straightforward plot line, which is okay. Well, I can't read too good, so it's got a bit of a curve then. <laughs> well, as always, uh, follow us here on Facebook, Twitter, at Coruscant Pulse. Uh, send us an email. Tell us what you think of Rebels. If you want us to go over Rebels more, feel free to shoot us an email. Say, hey, Tom, shut up for an episode. Let David talk about Rebels. we got no problem with that. Send us a message, and uh, we'll be happy to get back to you and bring it up on the show. Also, if there's anything else uh, for the actual play, uh, we're going to be racking our brains trying to come up with ship names and squadron names and stuff. So you got a good name you want to lend for the program. You can hear it on the actual play. Send it on in. Hey, got a good ship name or you know whether it be comical serious whatever we'll try to incorporate it in some way say perform get the listeners involved so until next time uh, have a good week and may the force be with you have a good week everybody
Take care, everyone. Enjoy the Blu-ray.